gentlemen welcome to the insiders edge podcast here on the wcwa network i'm your host with the most on the west coast california Fury. it's a joy to be with you all once again and before i introduce my guest i have to apologize for my voice i just got over covid and i i'm still recovering uh as as i've recovered from covid but i'm still recovering um you know with my throat right now so apologies if i don't sound the way i usually sound but that's okay i kind of sound a little sexy and speaking of sexy right here right now i get to introduce right here this guy's a legend of deathmatch wrestling you have to understand this this guy has been doing this for quite some time now and he just performed at tournament of death 19 ladies and gentlemen this is the one and only the mental messiah he is the incomparable insane lane how are you sir I'm good. How are you, bud? <laughs> I'm doing good, my friend. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do the show with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, the first question usually on the show here, sir, is uh, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling when you were a young man? Man, you know, it just kind of, I don't know. I, I started in kindergarten and, and I heard some because some kids talk about it. And uh and about Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik and all that. That's just when he when Hulkamania was at the base at WWF. So I was right there at the bot, right there at the ground floor, being being a, a young Hulk Hogan fan and stuff. And I just grew along with it. And that's just watching that. And uh, you know, and and then my mom uh, married my stepdad, and he. Uh, he said, well, yeah, WF's cool. He said, but you need to watch some NWA. You need to watch the Ric Flairs. You need to watch the Four Horsemen, Terry Funk, those guys. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's more than just this, you know? And so, you know, and just, it just grew as a love of that. And, uh, you know, it just went off from there. I mean, there was a time like in the 90s where I didn't really watch wrestling. And just, I don't know, I guess, I, I, I don't know, it just kind of was, I guess I wanted to do different things, do different stuff. And then I came back to it, right? And then I kind of stayed with most of them until we're here we are now, you know? <laughs> Very cool. A lot of people have had on the show, you know, that Hulkamania era was that kind of uh, the thing that got them into, uh, you know, becoming a fan of pro wrestling. But uh, I like interviewing uh, you deathmatch guys because, uh you know, the, I always hear these stories about how the guys became fans of wrestling, and you know, I kind of like that WrestleMania, almost cartoony wrestling era. And then there's a point in time where you discover hardcore style wrestling, maybe ECW, maybe you see a little bit yes. of ECW, maybe you see some of the Japan stuff. Uh, how did you discover and become a fan of, of deathmatch style wrestling? Okay, well, actually, um, I, I had just stopped. When I was a teenager, you know, I was I stopped watching it for a minute, and then I was watching something. I was flipping channels, and then I watched ECW came on. That was the first time I ever saw it. it was on public access late at night. And I was like, "What the hell is this?" And I was like, "Whoa!" And I was always a fan 
of bloody matches, even as a kid, because I mean, like, I like when the Road Warriors stab Dusty in the eye and, you know, the, you know, stuff like people getting bloody. I remember like in the after mags, you know, they'd have the videos called Matt Maniacs and Psychos of the Ring and all that stuff. So I was always about guys like, you know, Duel of the Butcher and, you know, those those guys who get all bloody, Bruiser Brody. I mean, I never really saw their matches. I just knew them from magazines, but it was just like, like a mystique to me about it. And then, you know, later on, I, as I got into, you know, uh, older, I, I got discovered, I discovered deathmatch wrestling. And, uh, and, you know, I started watching see that it's like the CZW DVDs that, that, that came out on at, like, like that was on, like, you can buy in a store. I think it was called scarred and aerial assault. And I was like, wow, man, this stuff is crazy. And then my sister was actually, my sister was married to Conrad Thompson at one time, and uh, he had a re- he really turned me on to a lot of the. He's like, man, if you like that stuff, dude, hey, man, he had the collection, of course. So I so I, I delved into that stuff, and I was like, and he said, I can see you doing this stuff. I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I was like, and so yeah. So a little 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 little, uh, little credit goes to him, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yeah, there was a bit of a charm to uh, that era where you only saw stills of things in the magazines. I remember when I interviewed Thumbtack Jack, he talked about how he saw this crazy stuff from Japan, but he, he couldn't get his hands on the actual footage. Um, so it seems to be another thing that's quite prevalent with you guys that ended up becoming, um, you know, I guess uh, this was the style that you were most known for it's all prevalent with everyone that they saw these stills in the magazine and I had to find a way to get these tapes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we, I was like, I got to know what this is. What, 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 what's causing all this, man? I was like, I had to know. And I found out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. You, you mentioned Conrad here. You mentioned that he made it maybe like he made a suggestion to you that maybe put a light bulb above your head. Maybe I could do this. When did you decide to get into the business and, how did you figure out how to go about it and, and who were you trained by? I was, uh, I've always wanted to be a wrestler. I mean, even when counselors were like, well, okay, uh, what do you want to be? Or you're a, want to be a wrestler? Okay, now that, 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 that's nice. But really, what do you want to, what you really want to be? I want to be a wrestler, you know? And, and so I, mean, I always wanted to be one. And I had uh, got, I had, was working at a video store and uh, a, a local wrestler had came in and said, hey, can I put up some flyers? We're having a show, big show coming up. And we're like, my guy, a guy who, I, who was my manager, who's now my brother-in-law now, uh, he, we all like, we looked at each other like, wrestling? There's wrestling around here? And he said, yeah. And we're like, oh, well, and we were like, well, we're big wrestling fans. We always want to be wrestlers and stuff. He's like, can, do you think you, we, we talked about training and stuff and, I think we even worked that deal where he get like we forgive all his all his late fees and uh, and he get we will hook him up with free movies and whatnot. So <laughs> so and then uh, we went and then we went up there and uh, to this building, this barn. I guess that was retrofitted into a wrestling building. It it, it would get 150, 20 degrees in there Fahrenheit Fahrenheit in there. It'd be so hot. And, and during the summer, and it would feel like an ice box in the winter. And I, I trained right there during the, uh, the winter and spring of 2002 there for about four to six months. 
Yeah, and and then right at the uh, fifth, I guess about the fifth month, I was they were like, okay, you can have your first match. And then I was trained by these two. Uh, uh, I was trained by a local guy by the name of uh, Charlie Swinger. He he's a uh, he was a, a independent. He's an independent was an independent wrestler in the South, mainly known in Alabama, Southern Tennessee. You know, and he had a few guys that that that, that was there with him that helped. Uh, locally, they were really good, and I think they deserve some mention on here. Phil Macho and Sean Pete, they helped me. Um, there was a guy named Michael uh, Blaze that helped out with just talking to me, and there were several old guys. It was kind of like a community that kind of helped me. I honestly can – I can't – one of the things about me is a little different than most of these guys. My, my training pedigree ain't the greatest. I was kind of trained by a bunch of local guys who were old and – you know, or, or, you know, kind of maybe went somewhere in the old days, you know, and, you know, but, but, but they weren't, they didn't have their names, but they knew because there's, there's one thing I learned there. I learned how to work. I mean, I didn't know what, learn all the, uh, all the fancy moves that, that a lot of guys do now or whatever, but I learned how to work there. And, I, and that was a great education that I got there. Excellent. Excellent. And, and I've read somewhere uh, but I couldn't figure out what the match was, but it, uh, it said that you debuted the 23rd of August, 2002. Uh, please let me know if that's correct. Uh, maybe you might not remember the date. Oh, that's uh, close. Uh, I, I, I remember it being closer to May, but it might have been August. I've, but, that, but 2002 is the right year. I always said May 20th was well, around, uh, yeah, around May 20th was like my first match, but I might, it might have been August. I don't know what match did they say they have written down for that. <laughs> no, they, they didn't have an actual match written down, just a date. But, um, you know, this is the internet. I've got to do my best with my research. Uh, yeah, but you did, that's pretty close. I mean, it might be around that time because that was the same year I started and the same year I started training and the year I debuted. And my very first match was in Fayetteville, Tennessee, I guess uh, a guy that I was actually training with, I, and I won my first match. I got paid twenty dollars, and I thought I was like, "Wow, this is cool!" Because they were telling me, "Like, nah, man, let me tell you something. You're probably gonna get maybe five dollars when you first start this." So they were very honest with me about this. Like, there's no money in this unless you blow up. They said, "There's no guarantee in this." And so they they pretty much told me, "Like, look, we can't promise you you're going to go to WWF, but this is about what we do here." Five dollars. So when I got paid twenty dollars for my first match, holy crap! I was like, "Wow!" And I won. Holy moly! And then the next day, I went back to the uh, the next night. I went to the place where I got trained, and I, I got my ass kicked and got paid five bucks. So I got set back down to reality real quick. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff, bro. Um, again, my research tells me that you worked for a company called Full Throttle Wrestling quite a lot for your yes. early career. Three-time oh, heavyweight champion, two-time tag team champion. Three-time tag team. Three-time. Oh, three-time. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Tell me a little bit. Oh, about yes. Tell me some stories of Full Throttle. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm so glad you asked about them because, dude, Full Throttle Wrestling was a show that my brother-in-law, that my uh, who who's my brother-in-law now, who my sister's married to, his name's, uh, wrestling name was Chris Castle. He and I, excuse me, I had to have some more. Um, he and I uh, uh, and a couple other dudes, we were just kind of like, 
We've been watching a lot of indie wrestling that was like like Ring of Honor and IWA and CZW and you know and Japan stuff at that time. This was like back in two thousand five, two thousand four, around that time. We've been maybe in the business two years, but the the scene where we came from in, uh, in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee, it was very very old school, very very. Their ways were very draconian, if if you don't mind me saying that. But uh, I mean, it's just it, it wasn't what we wanted to keep doing. We didn't want to do that. So we wanted to do the stuff that ring of that the other guys up north were doing. You know, we had guys like Christian Haim, Cabana Man Dan. You know, guys, so, you know, several guys were like, "Hey, we want to do this stuff too." So, me and my brother-in-law, we sold all our personal possessions pretty much our collection to get the materials to build our own ring his father is a master fabricator and so we just started building our own ring and uh and in the meantime we tried to um we, we uh rented a ring and started running full throttle wrestling uh we ran at uh the we were going to run bi-weekly at this place called the Country Music Barn, which was the, the site of three Carnage Cups, by the way. Thanks to us. Thanks to us. That's a, but, but we'll get into that later. But, you know, so we started running at Donna's Barn, Country Music Barn, and uh, we were all going to run bi-weekly. But the first show we ran, uh, we actually drew pretty good. I mean, so I don't even remember the numbers, but, I mean, it was good for what we were expecting on a Tuesday night. And the reason why we wanted to run on a Tuesday night was because we didn't want to be in competition with the other guy with the other promotions that might have been a little closer, so guys could have more places to work. We thought we were doing everybody a favor, but they didn't see it that way. But that's whatever. But anyway, we started running weekly, and we started bringing a bunch of guys in. You know, um, we had a really great, solid roster. Of guys, we had myself, we had the freak show, we had Christian Haim, we had Cabana Man Dan, we had Jeremy Flint, we had Orion Bishop. God, I mean, I'm, I'm probably uh, Sean P. Uh, now I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, we just had a really solid guy, that uh, big T who still actually wrestles down south. Uh, Tim Steeple still wrestles down south, it's still a big deal in Alabama, man. I mean, he was there for a minute. Eddie Paul, we had some good – we had a good – Adam Armour, he was our champ for a very long time. Uh, he was uh, he was good for – he had a chance to go to the big time there for a minute. But, uh, uh, but anywho, but we booked a lot of good indie talent that we saw from Impact. We were on the first down actually in Alabama to start doing that. We booked Chase Stevens and the Naturals, him and his uh, partner Andy Douglas, and uh, we brought. We were like one. We were the first to bring Chris Hero down south. You know, we had him work uh, Corey Graves, but he was working at Sterling James Keenan at the time. You know, so I mean, we brought a lot of guys down there. Uh, Eric Cannon uh, brought Deathmatch guys. You know, I mean, we we did. We were the first, really, the first show down in that area to really start showing. And the mixture of the what was going on out there in the indie world, because we and I was really proud of that, because and I'm proud of it now because there's uh we were the predecessors to what's going on there now, so I'm proud of that. I'm that's a very 
very good time in my life that I really enjoyed. I had fun. I booked, I booked, we ran 153 shows. I probably booked 120 of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought that this was going to be an important portion of your career that I was going to be asking about because like all these other highlights that I'm going to be bringing up, this happens pretty much during the same time that this company runs until I believe 2008. Am I correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we um, we my, no, we sold it. <laughs> right. Okay. That's okay. Now I've uncovered uh, the reason that that company uh, finished up. So no worries. But cool to learn a little bit about full throttle wrestling. Um, it's it's time to start talking about some of these deathmatch tournaments and 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 just learn a little bit about how you know maybe some of the lessons you learned along the way and and how maybe you might have uh, started to make a bit of a name for yourself in the scene. Yeah. On the 2nd of October 2005, you compete in your first deathmatch tournament. From my research, I could be wrong. Uh, no, you're right. IWA Deep South, king of the deathmatches before it was called the Carnage Cup. A nail bat, bed, plastic forks, and pizza cutter match against the legendary Madman Pondo. Um, please tell me a little bit about this. And, you know, you must have been excited to get out there and, and work with a guy like uh, Pondo. Absolutely was, um, you know. I mean, I met I, I met Kevin, and he uh, wanted me to do this show, and uh, he's like, "Man, I got to work with Madman Pondo, man. You can do a good show for me, man." Yeah, I'm like, "Absolutely, absolutely." So I was like, "I am driving up there." My brother-in-law Chris is driving me. He's like, "How you feeling?" I said, "Dude, I'm I'm so fucking nervous right now <laughs> because I mean, I had done to that point." Um. Light. I had done some hardcore ECW style kind of matches and stuff, but n nothing to the extreme that I had seen with the, the light tubes and stuff. I mean, I mean, I I, I actually hit myself with light tubes just to see how it felt before then, just to, to see if I could do this. I had people hit me with them. My my I had a, my buddy. Uh, he had a couple of light tubes that he got from his uh, job. And I said, dude, why don't you just hit me with a bunch of them one time? He's like, what? And I said, just hit me. So he hit me with them. I was like, okay, I think I could do this. I think I could do this. So, so anyway, fast forward up to the Carnage Cup. Kevin's got everybody and their mama booked for this show. And uh, and I'm I go in there with Madman Pondo. Man, he was so professional and so easy to work with. And uh, I mean, I didn't get. I mean, he. I mean, he pretty much just, just, just chewed me up and spit me out. But I mean, but I mean, but I got. I took some good bumps in that match, and I showed that I could hang. And right, and then right after our match, they shut it down. Yeah, they canceled it they, because the cops, the kids, people were calling in the cops because this is in Alabama, down in the deep south. Ain't nobody ever seen this before. My brother-in-law, which was there, and he actually was be. Uh, I think he ended up doing started doing the ring announcement for that show. But before he uh, started ring announcing the show, uh, he heard people in the re in the crowd going, "I need a new referee. Why are they letting them do this?" <laughs> you know, they they didn't get it, and so and people thought we were really beating, really hurting each other. Like, and they said that. Uh, the, the policeman said, this is this looks like some gladiator stuff, which I'm proud of, to be personally honest with you. <laughs> Aren't you not entertained? You know, I mean, I mean, seriously. But I mean, but you know, the show got shut down and people worry about getting paid. 
And then I don't know if you've heard the story about Kevin Brandon hiding in the bushes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very like uh, he's he, in the bushes. <laughs> he didn't want people to come after him. So, but Tang comes up to him. He said, hey, man, he said, uh, if you look and get paid, Kevin's hiding in the bushes. <laughs> he's so I'm all, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so I'm walking back to all these bushes. I hear, hey, Lane. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm like, Kevin's like, you, yeah, man. Hey, man, I ain't man, 40, man. All I got is 40, man. Is that, I mean, that's a Kevin. Yeah, I'm just glad you paid me, man. Thank you. <laughs> we, went, we went into the back home. <laughs> that, was, that was an experience, man. <laughs> And 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 he thought it was over, but like I said, he brought the car. He tried to bring car. Uh, well, he didn't. He didn't try. He actually did. He was going to run it again and somewhere else where he wouldn't have that problem. Well, me and Chris went up to. We we said, "Hey, you want to use our building?" We talked to the lady who owned it and such. So she said, "As long as you clean everything up, you know, it'll be fine." So, and then we went into the one that didn't get shut down. That's right. That's December 3rd, 2005. Uh, yes. And uh, you defeat Freak Show in the first round in a shopping cart death match before losing to another legendary guy, Necro Butcher, in a fans bring the weapons match. So uh, this is, a, you know, less than two months later, we, 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 we yeah. the, uh, the, the full tournament finally finishes off. I believe Tank wins the tournament. Um, yeah. Tell me about that day as well. Uh, well, I was real excited because I didn't have to drive very far. It was about 15 minutes from my house. So that was great. So I was like, well, if I get messed up, I'm going home, you know. So uh, me and Free Show have our match. And I, it was good until uh, he gave me a backdrop. He, he went to give me a backdrop on the shopping cart. And it, I guess the corner of it or something, just, I mean, it just jabbed into the, 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 right, the left side of my lumbar. And uh, and I popped up. I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. But I finished the match. But I started stiffing up really, really bad before before my match with Necro. But I was able to get through it. I, I, and uh, me and Necro, I had a good match with Freak Show. And me and Necro actually had a really good match. And that and, and for a semi for for a semifinal, we he, and he gave me a lot. For for I mean, because I've heard the stories about him. He he he'll sit there. I mean, if he if you don't bring it, he's gonna beat the shit out of you. Well, apparently I must have brought it, or he must have uh, was impressed by what I did, and uh, he actually gave me a lot in that match. And at the end, I wasn't even expecting this. He he said, "I know everybody know this motherfucker didn't have a chance, but I think he did pretty good for for someone who didn't have a chance." And he shook my hand. He opened up the damn ropes for me, man. Dude, it, it, been, if that had been my last match, I'd have been cool with that. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, okay." And then, and then the, I, I think that's when I started to get the the uh, I caught the attention of Ian Rotten because because soon after that, you know, uh, I started a uh, I worked him the next idea of IWA Deep South show. Me, him, and Spider did a three way match, and uh, he pretty much said, "Okay, well, I'm bringing you Spider to King of the Death match. Y'all better bring a game." Yeah, and that was exactly what I was going to bring up next. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bring up every single deathmatch tournament you're in, but I thought that these right. ones are very important to the story uh, heading yeah. towards 
my uh, last half of the interview, but uh, June 2nd, 2006, you compete in your first IWA Mid-South King of the Death Matches tournament. Uh, getting eliminated first round by Ian Rotten. Fans bring the weapons with Brandon Prophet in the match as well. Uh, how did you find Mid-South in comparison to Deep and, and how was the experience? It was actually, honestly, I was I was nervous going up there, and uh, and the first three people to really make me feel welcome there was Mister Insanity, Toby Klein, Derange, and Brain Damage. That was the first. They was like, "Hey man, I'm like, hey man, I'm Brandon. Hey, I'm Marvin. Hey, I'm Toby. Nice to meet you, man. Good to see you, man. I hope to see you. Just real nice. And 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 everybody else there afterwards, you know, you know, after I uh, you know, hung out and kind of just. Minding my P's and Q's, you know, and laughed along with stuff, you know, and, you know, which it was, it, it was a nice experience. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got in there, you know, my first round match was me, Ian, and Brandon Prophet, which I know Brandon Prophet, and I've never, you know, and I've actually, I think I, he worked me a day, day after my grandmother died. And it meant a lot to me that, that we were able to do that. But we, I was able to work him and uh, Ian in this match. And Ian got on the mic and said, uh, uh, so he said, he said something to me. He's like, Hey, you're cool. But he said, Brandon Prophet, you ain't show me shit. I proof I was like, Oh God. I said, am I in the middle of someone's beef? I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. So I was like, okay. So I was like, well, I'm going to whoop someone's ass. So I was like, so I just started waylaying poor Brandon with a damn fork bat. I mean, it looked brutal, but I thought I kind of went down on it and not straight down. And, and, and you know, I, I thought I, I, I hit him in a proper way where it looked good, where it wouldn't have hurt him too bad. But I went, we had that match and, you know, and it was good for what it was. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, and then we went back there, but B. Mitch Page said if someone hit me with it, Fork bat like you did, I probably whoop his fucking ass. <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> but, but Brandon didn't say anything. He didn't, he didn't say anything. I don't. At least I don't remember he did. And then, well, and then uh, I went. Uh, he said, "Hey, stay the next night." I guess uh, Spire went home because uh, Duran just ate him up and. Uh, I did a tag match. It was me and Jugular versus uh, the Children of Pain. It was uh, Jacob Ladder, who's who passed away recently, and Darren Childs. And uh, we had our match, and I, and uh, at the end of it, uh, I didn't notice this a lot because I was doing something with someone else or whatever. But uh, the, uh, Jacob Ladder sticks his head out of the ropes and looks at him and said, you did all right, but your partner was a fucking piece of shit. And then, and then walks out and then gets out of the ring. So apparently he screwed up some spots and, uh, but it was enough for me to be uh, asked back for the next few should next back, be asked back for the for next few years. So yeah, worked out. Excellent. Excellent. You know, you're, you're slowly but surely making a name for yourself. You, you made a good name for yourself and, this is going to help you in the future, but I want to take a little sidebar here and just ask you a more of a general question. Uh, I want to ask you about the day of a deathmatch tournament. Do you feel that there is a there is a, there's an atmosphere in the air that feels different than a usual show? Can you please tell me a little bit about that? I ask every guy on the show that's been in a tournament about this feeling. Does it feel different? Does. I mean, especially if you know what was expected of you that day, 
if you know what, what was expected of you that day, you know, hey, you know, we need you to do this or whatever. You know, there's a and 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 these especially these good tournaments like 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 you know tournament of death, NGI, tournament of survival, king of the death, man. You know th those. The, you know, the prestigious ones, you know, I mean, I'm, I, you know, those matches, those shows, if you're on there, you're on there pretty much for a reason. You're on there because, you know, you're, you're, you're one, of the, you're one of the good ones, you know, so that is your opportunity right there to show people that, Hey, I'm on here for a reason. So I have, um, uh, always felt on, on days on tournaments, especially those, those kind of th those shows, and especially big shows for anybody. You know, if there was a show, you know, like, hey, you know, this is the 25th anniversary of such and such, and we've got 5,000 people out here. Oh, no, no, I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll be just as focused because there's a, there, there, you're there for a reason. They, I, I, I see, I hear a lot of uh, promotions now especially recently since I've been back, say, you're here for a reason. You know, so I'm like, okay. And when you tell me that, I'm like, okay. I know my reason for being here. I, I Especially when I see where I'm at on the card or what's expected me in my match, you know, stuff like that. That That's the mentality I have. And, and it's always higher than I it's, it's, it, my, my expectations are like way, way high, man. I mean, for, for, for what I want to do, because I don't know there, I, I feel like sometimes, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like when I get out there and I do my thing and when I'm done, you know, I'm like, man, I, it, could I have done more, but I'm over there holding them bleeding half to death and, <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, like, but but then when I hear, you know, the crowd or people coming up to me after the show or I get all this adulation, I'm like, okay, it was fine. Because I'm my worst critic. And that's my and that, that's the thing about me is when I approach these shows, it's all I'm always my worst critic going in. I'm like, oh God, I hope I don't suck. I hope I don't suck. And then I go out there and nine times out of ten, I don't suck. Because I've been in King of the Death match. Me and Schlack actually had a really wild match the, the last year, and this year, Tournament of Death, man, I, me and Brad and me and Mickey both, we, we both had good matches. So I feel like in the major tournaments that I've been in, that I've really, I, I, I really showed up. So, yeah. And the next thing I want to ask you about, I, I really do think that you showed up for this one, uh, Deep South Carnage Cup, two thousand six. Yeah, uh, a big one for you working Rick Hayes in the Razor Wire Death Match in the first round. Uh, then uh, defeating my friend who I've had on the show, Bull Payne, in a home run derby to go to the final. God bless him. Uh, the Highway 69 Sports Arena in Coleman, Alabama, where it's 200 light tubes, four corners, elimination death with Necro, Torp, Drake Younger, and yourself. You've got some quite some uh, <laughs> quite some people there in that match with you. Uh, I, I feel like this is kind of the big one for you. Would you agree? And, and tell me about this day. I agree that that um, it was really cold that night because it was done like in. Well, what did you did you say the date? Uh, it was. No, I did not say the date. Uh, no, it was in November. It had to be. It was right after Thanksgiving. I, I know that it was right after Thanksgiving because I had just went to go see my parents. 
And my uh, my sister and brother-in-law dropped me off at the 69 Sports Arena with my wrestling bag. I said, uh, is your girlfriend here? I'm like, yeah, she's here. I was like, all right, man, we'll go. <laughs> so we did that. And uh, so we uh, – I did that. And, uh, oh, man, I was – I walked in there and I saw those spools of razor wire up there. I was like, oh, I agree to this, though. He's like, hey, 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 Lane, uh, you want to do a razor wire match, man? You want to do a razor wire match? I was like, yeah, Kevin, I'll do it. But maybe we'll just wrap it up, man. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I was like, okay. And I looked at it. It looked like their prison guard. You see, I was kind of thinking, I was like, maybe think, maybe they just wrap it around the border, lay it down flat or something. Those they did. I was like, Oh, and I remember Chewy Martinez walking up to me, going over the lane. I'm like, I, but God bless you, brother. I'll be praying for you, man. Ian Rotten, wrap personally, wrap my arms up for me, because he was. He says, he says, I'm wrapping your arms up for you. He says, I don't. He asked Rick Hayes. Rick Hayes goes, Nope, I'm fine. One piece of. T- I do that one piece of tape on both wrists. He's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> but that's how he was, man. Rick Hayes was a tough son of a bitch. And a lot of people don't know about him, but that's a guy that that is a guy not to fuck with. I'm dead ass. So he, 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 he's, he's not one to mess with. So, uh, the him to volunteer to, you know, to do this razor wire match and then us have the match we had and, he was fine with it. And then, then me and Bull Payne went and had our match. He goes, what do you want to do, kid? I said, I figure you just beat my ass most of the match. And then I pull a rabbit out of my ass and Payne, he's like, sounds good, kid. Let's do it. And he loved the match. He said that was one of his favorite matches he, he had done for done in, in a while. And, and not ever, but he, the one of those favorite matches he's done at that, at that point in that time. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And, uh, and then we go on to the finals, man, which was, it was a who's who of deathmatch legends of the deathmatch stars at that time, man. I was in there with Drake, Corp, Necro. Yeah, so it was wild, dude. And, um, man, we went in there, and it was – I threw up in the middle of the match. And there's a, there's a spot where I get hit, and I don't know what's going on. I guess it's a very small venue, and I don't know if it was the dust or – I don't know what it was, but something made me sick to my stomach, and I had to jump out of the ring. There's a scene actually in the ring in the during that match where you see me kind of jumping all around and I'm holding my mouth. I'm throwing up, <laughs> and I and so I get out and I finish the match, and I'm covered in blood. I did. Oh my god, dude! That was that was the roughest at that to that point. That was the roughest show I've ever done and it was also my best work up to that point because I kind of shook I, I feel like it right there I was like okay hey here I am let's go and, and things started to take off after that right that was my that was my assumption that things started to take off a little bit uh and that this was kind of I mean you already started to slowly but surely make a name for yourself and now that this has taken place now you're getting some other very interesting bookings, which I'll be bringing up very soon. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, your fondest memories with Tony V in your tag team, The Great Southern Tranquil. Oh, Tony V. Tony V, a.k.a. Corey Shaddix, which he wrestled at IWD South India, a couple of Mid-South shows. Uh, man, 
Uh, I'm so glad you brought him up, man. Me and him were a, a tag team for FTW, and he was very, very young. I actually was rest I, right when I started wrestling. I was I, I was working at a video store, and he had this grandmother named Fran, and she was a she was she was one of them wrestling grannies. You know, the old lady at the at all the front row cussing out all the wrestlers, and and she had this stick, and if you got too close to start mouth, she'll hit you with it. I mean, she, that, that, and, and then, so she came up and said, Oh, are you insane? Like, this is my, this is my, my grandson, Corey. He's a, he's a big fan of yours. That was the first time I met him. He's like, Hey, he's like 14. And um, so anyway, he comes, watches the shows. And then about 17, he starts wanting to, like, Hey, I want to start training and stuff. So he, he starts doing the lo- little local shows around there. And, uh, and he and he was always at FTW helping set up the ring, always setting up chairs. He was he was there all the time, so he was like he became kind of like our buddy, and and I felt like well, you know what man I said he kind of remind me of Mikey Whipwreck in a way because when we were putting him in there, and that's what me and Chris kind of said when we said I said dude we're gonna put you in there and get beat up every time, and that's what happened. We used the Mikey Whipwreck formula on Corey Shaddix, Tony V, whatever you want to call him. You know, and, and then he eventually won the title for one week, upset the champ, you know, out of out of the blue. That was his first win. He said, and and that was, I mean, and, and after that he got over. And then I and then I put him, me and the tag teams for a freak show came along. And we were just we and we did that was a really good time for us because he we did really good tag team stuff. And I, I wish we could have done more outside of it, but you know, it, I really enjoyed my time with Corey, and Corey was a good dude, and I love his I love his family, and I don't talk to him very much. He's got his own thing going on right now, but you know, he's I, I really enjoyed my time with him. That's cool. I just thought it was important to bring him up because it seemed like one of the tag teams uh, you've been in a couple that uh, yeah a lot with. But uh, another thing that I wanted to bring up: March thirtieth, two thousand seven, RWA East Coast. Uh, a show called Skate or Die at Skateland in Campbell's Creek, West Virginia. You wrestle to a no contest with Abdullah the Butcher. So yeah. I mentioned earlier about seeing these stills in magazines and now this is that kind of things are coming full circle here. Moment yeah. we actually are standing across from this man. Uh, please tell me a little bit about this. Oh, man. Well, Pondo calls me and says, hey, uh, want to Work at Bill the Butcher. I go, yes. <laughs> and he said, all right, man. Uh, that that day, man, be there. I was like, okay. <clears throat> I start calling everybody. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I, I just found out I'm about to. I call my close friends who won't say nothing or whatever. I said, guys, I'm about to. I'm about to work at Bill the Butcher. I'm like, no way. I was like, yeah. I was like, dude, that's awesome. I was like, hell yeah. And then they put it out there that I was going to do it and. I remember driving up there and Corey, Corey Shaddix came, Tony V, Corey Shaddix came with me and, uh, cause he just wanted to meet him. And, uh, and also he was, he's, he was just, I guess he just wanted, he, he knew I was nervous cause I was really nervous driving up there. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I was scared of this guy as a kid. Cause I mean, I, I, I mean, I was a big mark back then. I mean, I, I thought it was all real, man. And I thought Abdul really was really hurting people. So, I mean, I'm thinking, man, this, here's a guy I'm really scared of. I'm about to face him. So 
I go in there and I meet him. And go, hey, how you doing? You know, he's got that voice, and he said, "Well, show me a punch." And I'm and I've been working IWA for a while, so my little Memphis style punches have turned a little more snug. So when I went to Abdul, want me to show him a work punch on his head? I kind of popped him a little hard. He went, "Oh!" I went. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, look, I said, I've been working with a couple of guys who like work real stiff. I said, oh, he, he, he's, like, he's like, what was that? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I think, can I have another chance? He said, you do it right. He's like, yeah. And, and I could kind of see Pondo in the background going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And then, so then I go, and I throw my best damn Jerry Lawler Smithless punch on him. He goes, that's a lot better. And then that, and we were fine after that. We had this wild ass match. I just, I snuck him, just stabbed him. And then he broke a fucking ball, and, you know, and, and all this. And I mean, we just brawled around. We didn't even get in the ring, but it was so fun. And then uh, he actually, uh, Pondo came up to me after the match and said, but he was really happy with his, with, with, with the match and stuff. He said it, it, it was good. So, and I actually have a picture of it, uh, of him, Carving me out with a glass bottle hung up in my room. It's, 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 yeah, that's really cool. I really enjoyed that. That's very cool. Uh, and uh, finally, June 9th, 2007, you work your first tournament of death for 36 home run derby with Freak Show in round one. Then fans bring the weapons with rain damage and necro butcher in the semifinals. Uh, so please tell me about your first TOD experience. Um, I remember it was, it started really early. Um, it, it was me, Freak Show, Christian Haim, and Smooth Pleasing. We got up. I think, I think they all just came to my house like at like nine o'clock that night before and, uh, the show. And then we just kind of slept till like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And then we're like, okay, let's go and go. And then we drove all the way from Alabama to damn Delaware, which was like fifth. 13, 14 hours because we got caught in traffic. So we got there on time. And, you know, me and Freak Show know we're working each other. We just kind of made this kind of bond. Like, okay, make it look good. But let's not break each other's face or break bones, you know, aren't doing any serious stuff. So me and Freak Show went out there and tore it up, man. I think we had a really great match. I mean, it's so good, in fact, that we're in the middle of our damn promo. Zandy comes in and goes, yeah, y'all did fucking great. Y'all will see these guys get on the boards. Uh, you know, and all that shit. So I was like, okay. So then I go in there, I'm like, okay, second round, brain damage and necrobush. I was like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, my face is gonna hurt. So, uh, so, but anyway, we go out, but it ended up not my face hurting, man. My, my top of my head hurt more than anything. Um, man, we went out there and we, me and brain damage just ganged up on necro real quick. We, and I remember chunking a damn pineapple at his head. And it and it just bounced off. It, I mean, it, it, I heard it. Went, I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh!" I mean, I mean, if you had like a good boom mic there and could put it, put it on there when I jumped in and heard that sound, you'd be like, "Oh yeah!" I was kind of a bit of a split because I, I I found a I was trying to find a soft spot where I can just kind of pop them with it, but it just didn't work out that way. But uh. You know, Necro got in, uh, got eliminated. It was just me and brain damage. And then I don't know what guy hit. I, I think he hit me with the thumbtack, the infamous thumbtack guitar, where my head, like the top, everything here and my damn shoulders is just covered in thumbtacks. 
And then I pick up, yeah, and then I pick up a guitar myself and I crack brain damage upside the head with it. It's got confetti in it. So I start going, yeah, you know, that bad man. I swing it all around and and then we go into the finish. And I, I think he like pile drives me off the ropes or something. And the and he he goes on to the finals. But yeah, dude, I really was. Oh man, that was a, that I had a great time at Tournament of Death. I always enjoyed, I enjoyed my time at uh, CZW. Excellent to hear. I'm loving the stories. This is all really awesome stuff. Uh, and this is another part of my research that I that there's a little bit here for me to say. So, um, and please let me know if any of this is incorrect. Uh, okay. I seem to work quite frequently through 2008 for FTW. Uh, IWA East Coast for the Masters of Pain, do the Carnage Cup again, uh, JCW for uh, the Insane Clown Posse. Uh, again, East Coast, dog collar match against Pondo. You, you're doing some CZW, you're doing Mid-South. Uh, I mention all this because as we hit 2009, my research finds like very little after that. It says that you only worked four matches in the next six years and then a further 15 between 2013 and 2021, including no matches between 2017 and 2021. Is my uh, research incorrect? That's pretty close. I mean, I don't, I, I, I wish looking back, I uh, wrote down my matches because I know Chris Jericho said he did. I know several people in the Indies kind of write down their stuff too, but I just, I never did because I'm just like, okay, well, I, I didn't want to sit there. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I, I always saw guys who were like old in the business in Alabama sit there and go, yeah, I remember back in 1984 when I wrestled Bearcat, right? And the, the Omni and and I didn't want to sit there and start being that guy, start knowing every single final match I had and whatever. I don't know. I mean, it just, I just never I, – I guess I just never thought it was important for me to keep up with every one of my matches. I figured I remember them all, and I'm not able to now because I can't. So I wish I did. <laughs> no, fair enough. I thought, right. I, I, thought okay. I could remember them. I just wanted to know what, what happened uh, at this point in your career. What made you kind of pull back a little bit and not wrestle as much as you had done for the previous you know, several years? Well, I kind of screwed some things up. Uh, I I don't know if you've read Pondo's book, but uh, I I kind of got in a little trouble with him, and and things kind of blew up with that. Uh, not 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 from what he did, but just 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 from me being shameful for what I did, and uh, I kind of felt like I had to serve a penance for it. And and then also, I was I had also suffered a uh, pelvic injury. I cracked my pelvis, and um, it was a, it was just a hairline fracture, but it was enough to hurt me. And I was I, I wrestled with it for a couple of other shows up until Masters of Pain, not Masters of Pain, uh, Double Death of two thousand eight, and 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 it just got really bad then. And um, I stopped for a while, and I came back a couple of times. I won Carnage Cup in two thousand ten, and then I kind of said, "That's it, I'm done." Um, I got married and uh, tried to raise uh, – well, not try, but we got married. Try, uh, tried to – the marriage didn't work out, but the family worked out fine. I have I have my son, and uh, that's all pretty much I've been doing since then is just 
you know, trying to balance fatherhood and wrestling. And, and, and then there at the end, his mother, the, the mother just kind of started having problems. And, you know, that's the reason why we broke up. And uh, I had to deal with that for a while. And when, and dealing with all that, it dragged me down. I, I got up to almost 400 pounds, man. I, I had just, I'd give it, I, I'd given up on everything and I shouldn't have. Because I had so I had a son that was rooting for me, you know, and you know, and he needed someone to, to look up to, and I didn't want his dad to be, I didn't want him growing a thing, and his dad was a quitter like I thought my father was. So I just kind of picked myself up about two thousand. I guess when I turned forty, it was just two thousand nineteen. I just kind of said, I, I, and I then I told their mama too. I was like, look, it's a you either get better or. or get her or don't ever speak to me again because i'm going to do the same thing i'm tired of this stuff you know so she got better i got better we tried to work it out but you know it didn't work out so but she's she's clean so that's all that matters and and but i got my son and i'm just taking care of it and that's pretty much the reason why i was gone for a long time because i had to deal with all that shit okay well fair enough and thank you so much for uh you know kind of bearing that to me uh you know i'm, I'm sure that would you know be hard to talk about but i, I appreciate it is, it, is, it is hard to talk about it yeah. really is because uh i, I mean I, I no it's hard to talk about it to people because i mean it's just i don't feel a lot of people understand what i had to deal with because yeah it, it, there was drug addiction involved and then i started to to to, to to cope with it in my own way by drinking because I thought, well, it's legal. I can drink. And then it, and then I got a problem with it for a while. And, and, and then it just got, it just got to the point where I just said, I'm going to die. if, if this doesn't get better. So I just said, I got to do right for my kid. And then wrestling is in the books, in the cards. And so be it. And eventually it became that way. So right, I'm just right. very fortunate for that. Well, that I was I was I was going to like I said I was trying to wrestle those times, but God, I looked so terrible, and my matches weren't as good. And people was like, "Man, he needs to quit. Man, he's washed up. He's fat." I mean, I mean, I've never been a body guy, but I mean, but when you're starting to say, "God, man, Lane got fat," you know, I mean that 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 bothered me, you know. And now, you know, I, I just that's why I left. Cause I couldn't put my time into it like I could anymore. Like I thought I could. And, you know, and now I'm in a better place and now I, I can do it. But, uh, but, ne- but now the injuries are starting to pile up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I certainly understand that. And and I, I asked about that big absence. Well, not really a, a huge absence, but you know, you weren't wrestling as much. I just assumed it was an injury, but Thank you for sharing all that with me. Um, yeah. and, and we're going to be talking a little bit about this redemption uh, story in a moment. But one thing I wanted to talk about was how do you feel about deathmatch wrestling today? Because it feels like uh, it was this taboo thing uh, that a lot of people disliked when it first became big in the underground in the early 2000s uh, and, and a little bit prior to that as well. Now it seems like a novelty to some people. Uh, there are a lot of, um, a lot of companies out there that are doing these matches uh, but there's also a lot of deathmatch companies with their own tournaments and all that kind of maybe, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, oversaturating the market maybe a little bit. Um, how do you feel about how this has uh, evolved into the popularity that it's got today? Well, I mean, from, 
when COVID was going down, Deathmatch just kind of held indie wrestling up. And now when people start to see that now, everybody want a piece. All the sharks are coming out. Everybody come and take a bite. Whole bunch of sharks out there, man. And my 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 thing is is that the thing I liked about Deathmatch Wrestling when I started watching it, it was underground, man. It, 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 it not everybody liked it, and I liked it that way. But now everybody likes it, and I kind of feel like that old guy who who, who liked that band who sold out, man. And, and that's how I kind of feel about it, sort of in a way that. You know, I feel like wrestling kind of sold out a little bit, but it, but they didn't. But they really didn't. They bought in. They bought in because I mean, you gotta, you you gotta keep it going. And you know, and regardless of what I think, there's a there, there's a hundreds of people that think that love it. So I mean, even though I might think oh, I think I think we're kind of selling out a little bit or whatever, but I also gotta understand you gotta buy in. If you want to keep it going, and uh, I don't like that it's oversaturated. I don't like the fact you know if you want to sit there and try to uh, go, I want to try to do a death match. I mean, don't go in there, you know, and just, just respect it. That's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I know there's some guys that want to try and do it or whatever, and, and I, I mean, that'd be like me saying, "Hey, I want to try to do regular matches." Oh no, no, you can't do that. No, no, I'm, I'm, any, I'm, I'm open for anybody who want to try to do it. You know, just, just respect, just respect it, and don't think it's some kind of goof shit that, that, that a bunch of people think, portray it to be. Yeah, there are some shows, promotions out there that book a bunch of goofs and think that's deathmatch wrestling, but there's also several show promotions out there now that are putting on good prime stuff. I mean, God, we just had the deathmatch weekend of weekends of the. They have three promotions going head to head with each other. You know what I mean? That, that that's the stuff you like to see. I just wish I was part of it. Fuck everybody for not booking me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, you love to see it though. You love to see stuff like that. But like I said, as long as it doesn't get too oversaturated and gets and and, and you know they try to. I don't know. I mean, I just I just I always like the old. Thing of being like, oh, you're oh, deathmatch, you know. But now everybody's like, oh, okay. Except for the purists, you know, that they who will never like it, you know. And, but I don't even listen to them. I, I listen to people who like it, yeah. you know. So yeah. and that, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I like, you know, I, I just found it kind of interesting the way it, it, it kind of evolved to this point where you have people like David Arquette doing a deathmatch with Nick Gage. Uh, you even have someone like Dolph Bagwell mentioning mentioning that he would like to become the death daddy and have a death match at some point does that annoy you a little bit no uh it annoyed me when david arquette got in there and started freaking out but uh, because i mean he was oh no 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 you don't get to no no if you ask for nick gage now if david arquette would have asked for me Maybe I might have, I might have uh, uh, worked with him a little more than Nick would have. I don't know. But, I mean, when you ask for the King Nick Gage, the guy with the pizza cutter and, you know, and, and all that, you know, everybody, everybody, you ask for that, that's what you get. You ask for what you get. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm like, you know, David whining, arcade, whining about that shit, you know. I was like, ah, shut up, dude. I'm like, you, you, you. Now, Buff Bagwell, you know, if he wants to be the buff, Daddy, deathmatch, daddy, or whatever, you know, hey, go in there. You can come in there and do it, but don't be coming in there expecting, you know, 
any kind of uh, quarter because we can't sit there and, and, and ease up on you. And we, you know, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. And, you know, and, and a lot of these guys want to fuck around about this stuff. And then they find out some, some like it, some don't, a lot don't. Like, I'll never do this again. Or what? Or y'all guys are crazy. Or, you know, that's, that's why I usually hear. That's fine with me. <laughs> Excellent. I just wanted to hear your, your thoughts on that. Uh, we're getting very close to the end of the interview here in Sane Lane, but uh, I have to bring up this because, you know, it's quite recent. We alluded to it earlier. Tournament of Death 19, October 29th. Uh, you have, you know, the Shark Tooth home run derby, uh, derby death match with Brad Cash, then a sick and twisted semi-final death match with Mickey Knuckles, which was a little nuts, but of course, one of the biggest spots of the show was that fucking exploding bat uh, that mm. you took, which was unbelievable. Please tell me about this day and and, and tell me a little bit about how uh, maybe you feel like that you, this is your swan song. These last couple of years uh, of your career are coming up and, and this is your redemption. Tell me about all of that in, in, in one go. Uh, yeah, uh, Tournament of Death was wonderful. It was we were driving in there, man. Uh, the, the 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 scene of the whole area we were driving into looked like a Thomas Kincaid painting. I mean, like the beautiful colors of fall and the the air was perfect. I mean, it was just a perfect day for for a deathmatch tournament. To be outside and uh, man, me and Brad, you know, we went out there and the the guy who was setting up the explosives says, "Who wants to use the exploding bat?" And we went, we went, woo! You know, and so he showed us how to use it, and we decided what we were going to do with it, and went with that, and you know, and me and Brad, we, yeah, you know, Brad was nervous about the match, and he actually threw up on the way <laughs> to the show. I don't know if it was because he was just sick from eating something or it was nerves, but uh, he was nervous, and I was a little nervous too, because I mean, especially I actually wasn't nervous driving up there. I was nervous for the weeks up following up to because I was like, man, if, if if this is all I do after this, if this is what I'm and this will be all I'm here for, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna do the best I, I I'm gonna do. I owe this to myself. I, I I've sacrificed a lot. I've given up a lot, and I've worked too hard for me not to get this opportunity and not squander it. So I went in there, and me and Brad. I felt we had a wonderful match, and uh, and then and then I got to work Mickey, who I bought, who I've been wanting to work for a while. We used we worked together for, uh, in several matches, but man, it's been fifteen years ago. You know, it's, I mean, we were kids when I mean we kind of grew up together. So I mean, uh, and I got to work in a match with her, man, and God, man, she's she's so tough, man. <laughs> I tell you what, man, she's I I enjoyed it, man. We, I, I love having match good physical matches. Those are the best matches I have. I like them when you lay them. I like to feel it, and 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 and, and I just lie and I and I and I come alive when that happens. And she knows it, and we were able to bring that out of each other in that match. So I was really happy about the, the whole tournament and stuff. So I was, but you know, I, and going about the swan song thing, um, I feel you know. That, after the, the, these, this tournament I just did, I mean, I, I just got done wrestling five weeks in a row. And um, and I did three death matches and two regular matches in there. And and it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess the travel, I mean, what or, or whatever it is, 
I'm not recovering as fast as I used to. And it's just, man, I ain't even been in the gym in two and a half weeks. I mean, that's just how bad it's been. I mean, it's just, I've had this. And, and the weird thing is I'm getting injured on, we, on, on things, on simple things. Like I got, I hurt my neck on a backslide and then I gave a dude a pile driver two weeks ago at my last match at action, um, jack my ribs up and, and they're, I'm, they're still hurting, you know? And so I'm just, what used to take me two or three days or, or one, one to three days to recover from a weekend of shows or whatever. God, dude, it's taking me two weeks now. And it's just, it's getting rough. And I just need to realize that, Maybe I need to uh, start winding it down, and this is when I'm. This is kind of what I'm getting to is that, you know, I, I think next year at 2023 will be the last year that I actively try to pursue bookings. So, um, I mean, if there was like a one-off here and there, I think I'd be up for it. But you know, but for the most part, I think after this year, you know, whether I do two shows or 20 shows, you know, I mean, it's just it's time to start rolling down because I don't want to, I work too hard to come back to uh, come back and do it, do, do this right to then sit there and watch myself break down again and look like shit. And everybody remember me for that. So I rather remember them for me, for what I did, you know, the comeback and the like, Hey, he, he, he came out on, he left on a good level, you know, after being, not being so good for a while. So I would like to leave off on that. So if I can do that next year, and that that'll be fine for me. Awesome, bro. Awesome. And uh, one other question I've got before our final segment of the show is: What else do you hope to achieve in your time left in pro wrestling? Are there any? Is there anything on the bucket list? Is there an opponent? Is there a, something that you haven't achieved? Oh yet? yeah, yeah. Dude, I I, I want to. I want to do a full exploding death match now. I mean, that, that, I've always wanted to do that. That that's one thing. I want to have full on explosions. If that's my last match, my last match, I want all explosives, barbed wire, cage, all that shit. That's it. But uh, uh, bucket list guys, you know, I mean, I'll work anybody. I mean, there's a guy I've always wanted to work is Matt Tremont. I know I, I, I we, we've crossed paths a few times and, you know, and I, I've, I, I just would like to have a match with him and uh, that that's a big, and, you know, and come back and uh, maybe have a last hurrah with a ICW, you know, CCW, maybe do a cage of death, you know, do another major tournament for GCW, you know, just, just, just hit all the major death match shows before I go and be like, okay, I hit, I hit these. Okay. I can go out and go out into the, the sunset or, or whatever. And that's all I really want to do. I just kind of want to hit these things. And, and, and if I don't hit them on the end of next year, then whatever, you know, th thanks anyway. Uh, but I'll go off, but you know, I, I would like to stay on somewhere maybe in, do a backstage thing or, you know, help someone with booking, you know, help run a, help someone run a show, you know, after I get done, that, that's something I like to do because I've got a good mind for it. I just, I just don't want to tap it. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bro. That's really awesome stuff to hear. And now you've put it out there into the universe. Hopefully the Tremont match can happen and hopefully some of these other things do happen for you as well. 
Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation here in Sane Lane, and we've got to our hey, final yeah. segment of the show. It's learning a little bit about your favorite things. It's 12 questions for a quick fire question for a quick fire answer, if you can. I know sometimes pro wrestlers have a hard time answering a question very quickly, but <laughs> <laughs> the very first one in Sane Lane is who is your favorite professional wrestler of all time? Hulk Hogan. Excellent. Do you have a favorite opponent over the years? My favorite opponent over here uh, recently is Brad Cash. Excellent. All choice. time, all time, I'd have to say my favorite uh, guy I worked would probably be God Deranged. We always had some hard matches. Danny Havoc. I mean, if you don't get me started on that, next question. Next question. <laughs> the, next one, the next one can be difficult to answer. Uh, do you have a favorite match that you performed in of all time where you look back at it and you go, okay, uh, you're your harshest critic, but that one, yeah, that was good. Um, no holds barred 14, me, Neil, and Di me versus Neil Diamond Cutter from 4th of July last year. That, 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 that's one I'm very, very proud of that match. Me and Neil did really good. Very cool. Okay, getting away from wrestling now, do you have a favorite book? A favorite book? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley and uh, of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Very nice. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? I like House, Family Guy. Um, I don't really uh, – what's, what's the show I'm watching right now? I can't even think of it. I watch a lot of old shows, but those are – I, I, I always like watching House. If it ever comes on, I'll watch it. Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite film? Film? Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Heavy Metal and uh, Highlander and Fight Club, Forrest Gump, Dawn of the Dead, and the original and uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I like stories like that. Very cool. Uh, do you have a favorite musical artist or band? I'm a big fan of Iron Maiden, Pink Floyd, Pantera, Slayer, uh, Vangelis. Uh, I like to listen to um, old 80s pop songs. I love Madonna. Yeah, I mean, just if it's if it sounds good, I listen to it. But those are my favorites. Very cool. Getting away from the arts now. We only have five more here. Do you have a favorite food? Uh, chicken and dumplings. Very nice. I love dumplings as well. Uh, yes, do you have a yes. favorite place to eat on the road? White Castle. Awesome. I'm jealous. I've never had it. Hopefully one day I'll be over there and get to try it. Uh, do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage? If you don't drink anymore and you'd like to pick something else, just your favorite beverage in general. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, 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 a good alcoholic beverage was always a, a, a good uh, Jim Beam and Pepsi. Very nice. <laughs> no, I've got no problem with that. Uh, second last one here in Sane Lane. It's technically the naughtiest one of these questions, but it could get a meaningful answer. You never know. Favorite female body part in Sane Lane sees a good looking lady. Where will his eyes go to first? Looking at them jugs, yo. <laughs> Excellent. Then I look at the eyes. Then I look at the eyes. I go, oh, oh hey, what's up? Yeah, but I always, uh, jugs first, then eyes. 
Or sometimes if it, but, but it just depends if, how tall you are. <laughs> <laughs> Very good answer. And the last one here in same lane is your favorite curse word. Oh, shit. <laughs> Excellent. Well, my, my son, that, that's from my son. My son says, Dad, you say that all the time. Well, he says the S word. I go, well, shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah, so I guess I say that all the time. So it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Insane Lane, I want to thank you so much for your time on the show. I know that at one point we could probably do another interview because there's so much other stuff that we didn't get to cover through this interview. Uh, but it's really meant a lot to me that you would take the time and to talk to me here today for the podcast. So I just want to thank you so much. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed my time with you, man. I really enjoyed uh, uh, talking to you and uh, uh, shooting the breeze with you about my my career. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, bro. Uh, thank you very much. And thank all of you out there for joining us here for the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California. This is the Mental Messiah Insane Lane, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. Dude, is that Roger Rabbit and Goldberg in, in the background? And <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I, I, I kept looking in the background. I was like, I, I need to ask him about that. I was like, that's <laughs> but that's Goldberg. I love Roger Rabbit, dude. <laughs> <laughs>